Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel 3CR's look at the Australian film industry. And uh, thank you very much for those people who donated to keep this show on and 3CR going. We haven't quite reached our target um, and Showreel hasn't quite reached its target. We were supposed to make about 750 bucks, but I've got $130 to go. So if you were feeling on this last day of June that you wanted to contribute, that would be great. You could always ring us up on 94190155 and say, oh, we want to put money into Showreel to make it keep going. Um, coming up at the uh, end of this month is uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and, of course, 3CR is a, uh, a happy supporter of that particular institution. It uh, plays in real life at uh, the Nova in Carlton, but it also is online and it's got a veritable feast of uh, internationalists as well as Australian documentaries on an enormous amount of thoroughly interesting subjects. I'll have to say I've been uh, looking at quite a few of them. And uh, today uh, I had am going to bring you a, a film called Tickety Boo, an interview with uh, Rene Brack, who is a very well-known journalist, uh, but who is actually looking at a very personal subject, which is her father's uh, development of dementia and how that played out in her own personal relationship with him. And also it goes further than that. It, it, it uh, talks about a whole lot of things in relation to how her relationship uh, and uh, the his uh, loss of uh, memory and his way... Uh, well, actually, it's more than that. It's not a loss of memory. It's a change of uh, connection to the world around you so that you don't actually relate two people in the same time and space as they are in. So it's uh, it's very interesting sort of a thing that happens. And this film, Tickety Boo, is uh, a fabulous investigation of uh, not only her feelings as a person who's the daughter of a person who um, 
becomes demented, but uh, also her father's journey and what she does. Anyway, that's going to be at Nova on the 30th of July, and there's going to be a Q&A. But uh, this gives us a chance to get a little bit more of a inf- piece of information about the film before that comes along, and also gives you an opportunity to have a look at the uh, website uh, to find out more about the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. I'll give you uh, the details in an announcement in a minute, but uh, I also have to remind you that next week is uh, Beyond the Bars. Uh, Showreels won't be on next week because uh, uh, that's one of the uh, the uh, show, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock it starts on Thursday, uh, Beyond, Beyond the Bars. I mean, it goes throughout the whole week, but on Thursday that's the time it starts for broadcasting. So uh, the fabulous uh, Beyond the Bars that brings the voice of people, uh, First Nations people who are incarcerated in our prisons comes to you live from the uh, uh, from um, uh, the Beyond the Bars series, uh, a, a world-breaking series that brings the voice of First Nations people to you from prisons. Um, so uh, anyway, we'll catch up with the information about Melbourne Documentary Film Festival before we hear from Renee Bratt. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival returns with a huge showcase of the most critically acclaimed documentaries from across the globe. Highlights include opening night film Eternal Spring, bringing to life an unprecedented story of defiance on the 20th anniversary of a TV station hijacking in China, Australia, my home, an Albanian migration, depicting the stories of three generations of Albanian migrants to Australia, and many more. July the 20th to the 31st at Cinema Nova, a 3CR supporter. As I said, uh, international as well as Australian films and uh, absolutely fascinating to have such a collection of documentaries, uh, the things that people investigate. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, anyway, uh, one of them is Tickety Boo and I spoke to the uh, director, uh, Renee Brack. Uh, the per- what, she's uh, part of the uh, crew that made this film come about. Well, congratulations on your film. Um, you're obviously a very experienced journalist, so uh, but this is a very personal story. So uh, I was first going to ask you about the name Tickety Boo as an intro into how it became. A, it's a very personal journey. Yeah. Um, it's funny how titles or names like for pets even and children can just come to you in bolts of inspiration or lightning. And um, I was calling it uh, the Dearly Demented and there was an academic at UTS said, please don't, Renee. It's just, it's almost borderline offensive. And I went, oh, okay. It was an inspiration from The Simpsons. And then as I started doing the research, um, I remembered that uh, when Dad was covering his memory loss and he didn't want it to be true he started being very repetitious and I'd visit him or call him up on the phone and I'd say how are you dad and he'd say I'm tickety-boo I'm tickety-boo but uh he wasn't and I thought where does that come from but and in World War II his own father uh was overseas in Europe fighting and then he came back 
and was killed in a car accident in Sydney. So dad was only six years old. And this is just my theory is that because it's tickety-boo is an old, I think it's a Royal Air Force term that means A-OK, I'm good. And I think he might have heard it from his own dad. And Alzheimer's then made him start to see and remember things from a long way in the past in sharp focus. And so I think that's where it came from. So I thought this is perfect for the film now because I undergo a series of tests and wonder if I'm going to be okay. So that's how I arrived at the name. I was thoroughly uh, horrified at the idea of you getting the uh, spinal uh, tap uh, test because it's so dangerous. I thought that's so courageous of you to even consider doing that. But it does tell you something about your approach. I mean, you you were... it's a fabulous film because one, it first starts off with uh, you needing personally to uh, do a living uh, memorial, effectively, mm. working out how to deal with your own grief. Uh, and then you use your professional skills to do a story. You're going to do a story. And so you think of a strategy. And so that's what you do. So tell us, our, our listeners, a little bit about your personal growth in this regard. When um, my dad died in 2011 and there's what you'd expect to be a normal grieving process, but as we moved into 2014, it was like I'm going backwards, you know, my life shutting down. Um, the grief started to also include regret and I thought I because dad died quite suddenly and unexpectedly. He'd only just gone into the nursing home. And then I started thinking about how I avoided him in the late stages of Alzheimer's because he didn't remember my name. He didn't know who I was. So it didn't matter whether I was there or not. And I think very differently now. And I went to a great counsellor and we did a lot of talky stuff. And then I went to a second counsellor and she went, And she's a very abrupt, direct woman. And she said, no, you need to do things. You're a doer, Renee. So um, let's think about these regrets. What are you regretting? And I said, well, he always wanted to have an art exhibition. And he dropped hints and I just didn't do it with him. And he was too shy to do it on his own. And being a writer, I always thought I'd write his epitaph. And the family had collectively voted to have him cremated. So I didn't get to write anything. And she said, that's what you've got to do. You've got to host an art exhibition and then you've got to make this living memorial. And so I thought it'd be an interesting thing to top and tail the film, very inspired by the documentary Finding Vivian Meyer, where they have the art exhibition at the end. So setting it up, will anyone come? And then um, also planting the seeds of forget-me-nots and then going back to them at the end to be able to finally write the epitaph, I thought this is really good. But that's not a feature film. And so when um, producer Christina Foster said to me, how do you feel about getting tested? And I went, well, not great. And the more I thought about it, (laughs) being tested for Alzheimer's, I thought, wow, I had this incredible epiphany that it wasn't Alzheimer's that destroyed my relationship with my dad before he died. It was me and my own fear and ignorance of the disease. So best I confront this 
and use the tests as a way to um, create a second act for the film, find out a truth that I may be very reluctant to face and see if um, I can turn my feelings about of regret and grief, stop being, well, it's not so much about me anymore, but then help other people who might be pushing down their own feelings that aren't noble, but um, we don't want to admit them because we look like selfish, bad people in, in the eyes of society. And I thought, well, why don't I put all that out there? And the weird thing for me was I'm used to interviewing people, not being interviewed. And so um, it's, you've got that third-person removal from things. And so then to be on camera revealing feelings that I have, a, well, I had a lot of shame around and then the film has not been released yet and I'm thinking, I wonder if I'll get trolled. I wonder if people will say what a, what a horrible person you were and I'm nothing like you. And, and so I still have a fear, but, I'm, uh, yeah, so that sort of comes up a lot. And, of course, it's a big turning point in the film when after doing a series of five tests, um, all the final results come through. Yeah, I found it fascinating your talk with uh, chat with Ida Butros because Ida Butros is the ambassador for uh, dementia, and yeah. uh, she is such a practical woman. <laughs> she says to you, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't test yourself. These are the ramifications." So I thought that was so fascinating. Yes, well, you know, Ida is such a an icon and been around for as long as I've been a, a journalist and she was very successful when I was a cub reporter. So, um, And she's a bit scary herself because she has so much gravitas and authority. And so when she's telling me, oh, Renee, don't do this. Mm. Don't be so silly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was sitting there and getting really still and quiet and I stopped blinking and then my eyes are getting bigger and bigger because I hadn't thought about what she was proposing, that I could prejudice my future because of society's uh, prejudice around Alzheimer's and dementia and the stigma that comes with getting a diagnosis or finding out it may be in your future. It's quite fascinating The why, why this film is so fascinating is because it's got so many levels. It's very personal. Like you say, this is a personal journey. And when it's about, it's like when my parents died, individually they died, you feel like you're the only person that this is happening to. But, of course, mm. it's not. I mean, but it is at the same time. So yeah. it, it's very compelling, isn't it? You've got to a lot to teach people about what is quite a prevalent, uh, um, well, you wouldn't say it's an ailment it's a, or affliction or what is it, you know, the thing mm. when they lose their mind or when people lose their minds? Well, do they lose their minds? That's the question yes. you ask. Mm. Because we have assumptions about dementia and I had all of them and a lot of the myths as well. And Kate Swaffer is an activist who's very much into the, the human rights of people with um, a form of dementia and they should be invited to the table, particularly for policymaking and care. And so um, when I was thinking, oh, it's like my whole family did, it's a death sentence, um, we just get his affairs in order and make him as comfortable as possible, 
you know, there was just no idea that, well, why don't we try and some rehab? Why don't we try and lessen the effects? But he, my dad was also very advanced by the time he was diagnosed. And this is what surprises me is I'm an inquisitive person. It came as a complete shock. It never occurred to me that dad had Alzheimer's. I thought he would, was struggling with retirement and then it turned out, no, he had to retire because the calculations he was doing with his job doing heritage restoration of um, decorative ceilings and so on were off and it was costing the company money and he didn't want to retire. So that was eye-opening as well. And then when I long-lensed back after the shock of his terminal diagnosis, I realised this has been going on since 1993 and he was diagnosed in 2006. Why did I miss all this? And what could I have done differently to make his life and our relationship better if I had have known? And I suppose in a way uh, a lot of the things that you talk about in this film, it's about people living a different life. But that's what's happened. They're now in the process of a different life. And the way you need to train yourself to now be interacting with that person in a different way. Yes. What you're talking about. Yeah, because one of the things, um, you know, I really like um, a range of ages to talk to because I find it very fascinating, you know, people at different times of their lives and the stories and insights and philosophies that they've developed. And taking my interviewing uh, skills into a nursing home was the exact wrong way to handle someone with um, Alzheimer's because when I'm asking specific questions, thinking I'm being lovely and I'm asking them about them, their history, it's a struggle for them and then they can get very frustrated and upset because they can't participate in the conversation. So I had to learn not to just go back into the past, but to be a bit more hands-off, don't drive the conversation, let them drive it and see where they go. And I had just a little epiphany with Dad when I did have, uh, because I had some beautiful moments with him, but just not enough because of my ignorance. And when he started going back into his history, I remember sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? Because he went back to a time when he was really happy and as a 50s rocker. And he told me this story, which he'd never mentioned anyone before mum. She was his great love, but she wasn't his first great love. There was another woman and he was very enamoured and it was apparently very physical. (laughs) So I'm sort of time travelling with my dad and instead of just looking at old photos, I'm getting this first-hand account of who he used to be as a young man. And I sat back and thought, wow, this, this is such a beautiful thing. And, you know, maybe there is some lovely things to be taken out of dementia, even though it is what it is, which is an incurable disease. But also it's interesting too because it says an awful lot about time and place and what we think is, I mean, it's very science fiction actually. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. 
I mean, I, 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 we used to go and see mum at, uh, uh, at the home that she was in. And there was a lady there, an elderly lady, very frail, but she was always gathering up children. There were children she was gathering up, but of course yeah. they were children from her past. So um, it, it, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's quite interesting, uh, but also frightening, like you say. And that's one of the reasons why this film is so fantastic. Um, your personal journey plus the actual learning educative element of the film. I, I found it absolutely fascinating. But I also, from a filmic point of view, um, when did you decide to, I mean, a film, you know, it requires camera, uh, planning, camera, other assorted people, um, all the rest of it, as well as editing and all that. So it's a natural production. And I know that's mm. the world you come from. But when did you decide to do that? And who did you decide to do it with? That's um, it's one of the lovely things about documentary that's a little bit more evolutionary than, say, drama, because you write the you have an idea for the story in pre-production, and then when you're shooting, it starts you start to go, oh, this is going in another direction, and then in the edit, you go, well, that was that's not going to work now, and then finding out when you've got a beautiful, sensitive. Um, emotional empathic editor how they start bringing the story together as well but it all started in 2014 when I thought well if I'm going to do this exhibition maybe how I can honor my dad and create a legacy is to shoot it and I'll just do this little half hour documentary I won't be in it it's just going to be about his art and finding the beauty and reconnecting in that so I thought, oh, okay, where will I go? Documentary Australia Foundation. They're the, you know, pr um, premier organisation to help get funding for things. So I went to them in 2017 and they showed an interest and were very supportive. And then in 2019, I thought I better create a short list of producers. Who do I know who's really sensitive and very generous and giving? All right, I'll go to Kristen Hodges first and if she knocks me back, I'll ask her who I should go to. So I met with Kristen and said, um, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And she went, I've been waiting for a project like this that has this kind of meaning. And I was like, yay. And so then in 2019, she brought Christina Foster on board and she's a real um, go-getter and very much, if I, uh, if I had been on set as the writer-director and said, gee, it'd be good if that building was seven centimetres to the left. <laughs> I would have been able to turn around and turn back and Christina Foster would have somehow moved the building. Moved building. Yeah. So she was, she's been marvellous. And, uh, yeah, so we were able to flesh it out to a full feature film. And, yeah, and then we've got the social impact campaign. It's, it's lovely to do a festival film because sometimes I think they can find an audience more quickly than just a general theatrical release. But after the festival run happens, the film then becomes a tool in what's really making my heart sing, which is the impact campaign, because it's one thing to make the film and it can help some people's careers. But now what's the film going to do? Because awareness raising isn't enough for documentary anymore. There's awareness everywhere. You can find things anywhere on Google. And so then one of the things that we're pioneering 
um, I was inspired by, you know, the pink triangle many decades ago that created a safe space for LGBTQI people. And we used to see it pop up here in Sydney in Oxford Street. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great to create something around that? Because mum really struggled putting dad somewhere safe if she needed to use a restroom in um, when she was out shopping and things like that. And Christina Foster contacted this um, dementia cafe group and then talked to them about it. And they were like very interested in, and they still are in pioneering and going into a testing phase. So that's going to be what we'll do with the film to use it to create a safe space for people. It's not quite like creches with kids. No, no, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I can remember one day when I was a young woman, uh, me and my partner, we were, it was in Richmond, we were driving along and there was a a very well-dressed elderly lady with a a bag and a hat and she was walking down the down ramp at the uh, east-west freeway and Mm -hmm. um, we stopped and put her in the car because it was just so outlandish. And uh, then we drove around for ages trying to work out where she may have come from. And then I looked in her purse because I felt a bit like I was intruding and I found an address. So you're completely correct. Um, A person can lose their way and you need to be able to find them back into their place. I mean, it was so dangerous. It was quite bizarre. Yes, Yes, and it's also heavily motivated to the um, initiative we want to create and then roll it out in shopping centres, you know, around Australia. And it, very inspired too by the very tragic story of Bernard Gore, who was the lovely... Oh, that was Tasmanian. horrifying. Oh, I know. And <clears throat> we're not, you know, damning shopping no. centres or how things get overlooked. This is a bigger societal problem mm. of how... We're more comfortable going up to what appears to be a lost child Mm. than we are to um, a person who may seem confused. And I wonder if it's some kind of... Oh, but also they will be spending their time being normal. They're spending their time pretending to be normal, you see. Yeah. That's what's going on. Yes, and that perfectly sums up what my dad did for years and I totally bought it. Mm. Anyway, it's a fantastic film and it's showing at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and I take my hat off to you for your further impact uh, process. Um, You you must be pleased that it's at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. I am because, you know what, um, even though I'm a Sydney-based person, um, we did a lot of shooting in Victoria and um, at two uh, really great um, facilities there that... uh, are very kind and inclusive of LGBTQI and also of people with Alzheimer's. So it was really good to then have the first screening of the film um, in Melbourne as well. And I do just want to say you were my first choice for the moderator when I did a bit of research into you because of the understanding of film. You're also an educator. And I just took a wild guess that maybe Alzheimer's had touched your family? No, Alzheimer's hadn't touched my family, but it was still a fascinating film. And the uh, film will be on on uh, July 
the 30th at uh, the Nova and it's going to have a Q&A and yes I will be there as the moderator. Coming up next is published or not we're going to go out with Mia Dyson Precious Thing. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.